What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mordcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Uh, today's going to be a continuation of my rants against ESPN and the influence of uh, various extraneous factors that they have inside um, their coverage. And, and I think that if you're going to take anything away from what I've been talking about with ESPN... It is that overall, the NBA needs to and desperately has needed to get away from the, uh, the influence of the worldwide leader. And a lot of it has to do with um, issues that the, the uh, NBA has brought upon themselves. Uh, to give you a little context here, which is what I'm good at. This is why you tune into the Morecast. Um. In 2011, uh, by that time, Derrick Rose had played outplayed his contract. And you could argue that by 2010, uh, Derrick Rose had outplayed his contract. And uh, there was this notion that he couldn't get what he needed to get in terms of money because he was the MVP. What year was he the MVP? Um, was it 2011 that Derrick Rose was the MVP of the uh, NBA? Um, and one of the issues was you got to reward a, a guy for getting the MVP of the league on his rookie deal. So you give him a bump. And the the... In the 2012 collective bargaining, the compromise that was made was if a guy gets NBA, uh, gets uh, uh, the MVP of the league or uh, first team all NBA, he gets he's eligible for that uh, a super max contract, uh, which is the rookie deal. It's not the super super max, which you get after your um, after your second contract. This is the their second contract is the contract you get after your rookie deal, your restricted free agency deal. Um, the third contract is the one where you make the money. Okay, it always has been in the NBA. But Derrick Rose had got the the NBA MVP in 2011, and uh, the NBA was trying to work its way around that. So it tied um, getting uh, a supermax deal which is not the same as a Supermax in your third contract, but it is, you know, these are structured deals um, within the NBA. So you would get your second contract, which would be a the, the most of what you could get at that point in time, and uh, being rewarded for what you did and overperforming on your rookie deal. So it was tied to NBA MVP or first team all NBA. The problem with this is that it it really did begin the infestation of agent influence into other aspects of media that the NBA can't control. The NBA can't control aspects of coverage in ESPN or TNT or any of the extraneous networks that don't have financial ties to the league. Um, but it's specifically with the ESPN, it has been pervasive, uh, large and corrupting in my view. Um, and this ties into their view 
of Nikola Jokic, which I will get into in the second half of this podcast. Um, people always confuse this for market size. Um, yeah, there's some care about market size, ratings, and all this stuff. Um, I'm going to be blunt with Nuggets fans. Nuggets don't move the needle. Um, basketball is different from football. This is not 16 games. Not every team plays the same on national TV every day. Um, people in New York don't see the Nuggets play at 9 o'clock at night uh, on the East Coast, even with the advent of the League Pass. It is a fact of reality. Um, the Denver Nuggets aren't on the radar because of where, where we are and where we sit in terms of the hierarchy of the NBA. The New York teams, the East Coast teams, and the West Coast teams, specifically the California teams, are always going to have precedent there. And then after that, it's, you know, some market size. It's not a nefarious thing. Um, the NBA, I, the NBA's had a love-hate relationship with the city of Denver, as I discussed in my last podcast. Uh, the NBA's relationship with the Denver Nuggets in the, since the, the dawn of the Stern era has been fractious, to say the least. But coming back to the NBA's decision to tie, uh, the, the the ability to get a max deal with a MVP or NBA, uh, first team all NBA. This, this unfortunately left the whims of uh, what a contract eligibility was up to people who do not aren't working for teams. These are people who work in media. Um, the media votes on first team all NBA and uh, MVP. And this is not an NBA thing. It's not something the league can control. It was a compromise. It was the Derrick Rose rule. And this was something that the league definitely didn't think about the consequences after they emerged from the lockout in 2012. The 2012 emergence coincided with LeBron's first two titles. Uh, the one in 2012 and one in 2013. And this obviously influenced, uh, not influenced, but it was able to tamp down the effects of what was happening. But it took basically the advent, and, and, and keep in mind at this point, Woj is still at uh, Yahoo. Um, and it was, it, and his he made himself um what what is the best uh the, what's the best way to call this you make yourself so big that people can't ignore you right and Woj went to ESPN in like 2015 i think 2015 16 right around there um left yahoo uh and what she was doing with shams and uh basically created this Ultra, ultra, uh, scoop getting era, particularly when it comes to the draft, uh, free agency, all this stuff. It's, it, uh, it, Woj was always trying to scoop people and get things first on Twitter, but it became corporatized at ESPN. Coming back to the first team, all NBA and NBA MVP. Um, 
the media has shown itself over time to be very influenced by persuasion and uh, narrative. I've always said, and if you go back and listen to many of these podcasts on CSG, uh, any Mordcast going back the last five years, I have always said the MVP means nothing to me personally. And it, frankly, it doesn't mean anything to Nikola Jokic. Um, what, it, what the best things are, first team All-NBA, and uh, finals MVP, because at finals MVP, that means you made it, right? Shaq got one NBA MVP, but he won three finals MVPs. Um, I am sure if you talk to, to Shaq, he will mention how much he loves those three finals MVPs. Um, being the most dominant force on the planet in the most highest stakes, I think is extremely important. That is a personal opinion of mine. Uh, I've never really cared about the MVP. I never thought it was anything other than a, a narrative contest. Um, but if, as you notice, since the really since Giannis Antetokounmpo started winning it, I think his first year of winning it was 2019. Um, then he won it in 2020. Yeah, Jokic won it in 2021 and 2022, and is uh, the favorite to win it in 2023. The you will notice that the narratives and the offense taking really began with Giannis and the pressure to for Giannis to win a title, which he did in 2021, um, was immense. Um, you could tell that, Yo that Giannis cared about um, the prospect of winning far more than someone like Nikola Jokic, who probably is more emotionally involved with having horses win than uh, that. So in, in starting there is when you noticed a narrative shift. Because it was around 2021 when Giannis, uh, the rumors of Giannis leaving um, Milwaukee started well maybe they started in 2020 but it really ramped up in 2021 obviously he decides to stay um excuse me in 2019 and his first MVP in 2020 they really were ramping up he decides to stay and then he wins a title um there's several pressure points you can apply to a player and one of those is the prospect of MVP. Um, specifically, if you're in one of these big player agencies like Clutch, uh, WMA, uh, CAA. Um, CAA was the big one until the Clutch emerged. Um, there's Jay-Z's agency. There's, there's, there's loads right now, but the big ones are CAA and Clutch. And if you are part of the club... You are treated differently in the NBA. If you are part of the club, you are treated amongst the players specifically. You are treated a certain way. And players who have independent agencies aren't necessarily lauded as much as players who are part of the big conglomerates. As I've said before, over and over and over, I, I, I support the players. If, if, the, if there's a lockout with this next uh, collective bargaining, bar blah, blah, blah. if there is a lockout with this next uh, collective bargaining agreement that's coming up, 100% uh, I will support the players. That's what I do. I, I, labor, for me, always over management. 
uh, you're a bunch of billionaire owners against uh, people who make far less than them. And quite quite frankly, I will always support the little guy. Okay, that's that's going to be a thing. And and, and if there happens to be a labor stoppage. Um, 100%. I'm going to be supporting labor. If anyone who listened to the podcast or saw my writing back in 2011, you will know this. Okay. However, there is a corrupting influence here. And the corrupting influence is the enormous conglomeration of these player agencies. And on the other side of this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about how this is affecting specifically Nikola Jokic and the narrative on the Denver Nuggets and how they, and how it will affect the last 20 games of the season. But first I want to talk to you about Blanchard family wines located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown. Denver, Colorado, just a couple of blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. They got Pinot, they got Cabs, they got Malbecs, they've got Merlots, they've got Syrahs, they've got all the reds that you want, and they've got all the whites that you want. Um, really the best wine bar in Denver, Colorado, and it's in the best location. Say, like, if you're having a hot summer night, and you want to go down to see the Rockies, stop off at Blanchard Family Wines, uh, which is two blocks away. Get yourself some wine, then head down to Coors Field for a nice night watching the Colorado Rockies. Um, but look, if you just want a bottle, they got bottles there too. And anything you need in your favorite local wine bar. They got partnerships with Western Slope Wineries, um, and they've also got their own grapes from Sonoma County in uh, California. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazine, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Um, they're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. In some ways, Nikola Jokic is cursed by being both European and part of an independent agency. Um, he has one guy who is a, a, a Eastern European Serbian, uh, agent who does his agency for him. Nikola Jokic is not part of the club. And when you think about this, when you think about how he is perceived among NBA players, media, all this stuff, you will see how on an Island Jokic is Jokic stands out because first of all he doesn't care about these individual awards and secondly it is he doesn't have the clickishness of being part of CAA clutch WMA any of these other large agencies and he's not part of the influence that they have upon the worldwide leader if you notice over the last five years, um, player advocacy has increased at e the ESPN over the last five years to an extent where it has become ludicrous. And it really has, has been no other, you know, no better essay of this than the MVP talk and the treatment of the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets do have some big agency players. Um, they are not a destination market, and I don't believe they have any clutch players on their roster. 
there are you don't get a a sense that the Denver Nuggets are part of the club. The club is amongst people who are part of this this association of agencies. Now, I'm not implying anything nefarious here because it's not um, as far as that goes. But where I will draw the line is the influence on ESPN. If anyone saw ESPN this last week, you saw J.J. Redick. I love J.J. Redick. I I actually spoken to J.J. Redick about three times when he came in with the Clippers. Um, He was great every time. Um, Super nice guy. Um, Really, really thoughtful. um, And gave me the time of day. And... Really, uh, at the and I think the third time I saw him, which was two two thousand seventeen, no sixteen. God, I'm old. I've been doing this a long time. Um, he remembered who I was, and he gave me about five minutes to just chat, and it was great. And so I, I will always have the time of day for JJ Redick. Um, but he has been sticking up for Nikola Jokic, and. He his point that he has been making has just been about stat padding, all this pushback shit that has been happening, right? But has been weird. There is an extremely embarrassing video that came out. Uh, was it yesterday? Last night? Late last night? Um, and I think Dmac from one zero four three the fan put it out there uh, for us in the Denver market about the uh, Lakers being picked. To beat the Denver Nuggets, by the way, the 12th seed Lakers being picked by the entire panel based in L.A. to beat the Denver Nuggets, right? In a, if they faced themselves, if they faced each other in the first round, right? And this is the point I want to make. It is less to do with the with the city of Denver, and it has more to do with the influence of the agencies on ESPN. And there are market forces involved. Obviously, ESPN, I'm sure, would love to have the Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets in a first-round series. It would be great for them. It would be great for their ratings. But on the flip side of that and on probably more pressing is that there are forces involved here. I mean, Ethan Sherwood Strauss wrote an entire article about this and has been podcasting about it for ages. The influence of agencies at ESPN is enormous. It's huge and it is corrupting in my view. That is Jeff Morton speaking here. And I think that we become blind to this players have incentives to be mvp you get the max deal incentives are written into contracts to be all nba first team all nba specifically players who are on rookie deals need to be mvp agents want their their players to get a max deal This isn't as simple as just player A is better than player B. And you will notice the breakdown 
of the people who think Jokic is the best player in the league versus hot take artists on ESPN. The people who actually watch the league, the beat writers, basically will cape for you Nikola Jokic because they understand what he does. Like I said, I don't personally care. I think this is a popularity contest. But there is that aspect there. But it filters down to the perception of the Denver Nuggets. The Denver I mean, I, I have always had this love-hate relationship with the NBA. Because in the 90s, I definitely thought they... They were... It, it, it was like the Nuggets were scum. Um, and obviously the Nuggets validated that, that, that position by being one of the worst teams of basketball for the period of about 10, 12 years. Um, but I don't necessarily think quote unquote, the league thinks this way. I do think it ESPN does. And if you go back to the podcast that I, uh, put out about, um, the need for the league to move away from ESPN. One of these factors is the influence of player agencies and extraneous factors on the worldwide leader. Um, if they move their national TV deal, it won't be as prevalent. ESPN will have to cover it just like regular sports. <laughs> basically. And I think, I think the more and more I think about this, the more and more I understand that things changed in 2002 when the NBA decided to move from NBC to ESPN. Disney puts out a bad product, um, very mediocre product. They didn't have a sense of drama like NBC did. Um, and since two, 2012, they've become very influenced by player agencies, getting scoops, um, getting in good with agents. Um, and it really has corrupted, in my view, this is my opinion, it has corrupted their coverage of both Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. And it serves the Nuggets no purpose to even engage with ESPN. Because it is prevalent, it is huge, it's embarrassing. That, that, that Mark Spears, Ramona Shelburne, um, and it just, it was that segment that was filmed where they all picked the Los Angeles Lakers was embarrassing for ESPN particularly in light of LeBron James going out with this injury. Um, there's no other way around it. And that shows the corrupting influence of agencies and agendas, the need to get max contracts. The next deal is always about the next deal. And the NBA needs to do its best to remove itself from that corrupting influence. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. I will be back, well, probably in about four days with another episode. Goodbye.